Welcome, everyone. This is the Developing Successful Farmer podcast. My name is Annie Miller. We are part of Penn State Extension. I'm an educator that lives in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania. I work primarily with finance. I have with me today Lynn Kime, who's our resident economist. And I am thrilled to have Emily Shoup with us. Now, you may have seen Emily on your local news or even in the newspaper. She's famous for telling us not to kiss our chickens. Emily loves all animals, anything with four legs. Um, but she's especially um, well-versed in, in the two-legged winged variety. And she has a BS and a master's in poultry science. And she has a wonderful series on backyard poultry. Emily is here uh, just to tell us how to get started with poultry. And if you're a new and beginning farmer and you have questions about what to do as a, at, with poultry. So Emily, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what education you've done at Extension? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I am a poultry scientist, bird nerd through and through. Um, I started an Extension at, in 2016 uh, as the poultry educator in Mifflin and Juniata counties, but really that meant serving the western side of the state, anywhere kind of north and west of the Susquehanna. Um, traveled all over the state talking about chickens to folks and, and other poultry. Um, most of what I focus on uh, is small and backyard flocks simply because that's the, the realm that I grew up in. Um, I've been raising poultry ever since I was three years old, so it's been a, a long journey. <laughs> I will tell you how old I am so you can do easy math, but uh, it's been about 20 plus years um, raising poultry of all different types and shapes and sizes um, on large scales and commercial flocks as well as the small flocks, but that's really where my heart is. So I like giving folks that opportunity and through COVID with just the incredible surge of folks getting poultry, um, I was able to, to meet the need for education that just wasn't out there. Uh, no science-based education was really available for small flocks. Most of it was for commercial flocks and they had to scale that down. So uh, we were able to provide that education in a monthly webinar series. We also have two online courses on our website and several fact sheets and different things that we've produced um, to meet needs as they come up. That's great. And I find your enthusiasm for poultry just really engaging. And um, so we're glad you're here today. So how does one get started with poultry? I know that when I go to the uh, local, you know, supply store, I sometimes will hear little cheap cheeps in the back there and I'm always drawn to see how cute they are but how do you you know bringing something little and cute home is one thing how do you actually get started as a as a poultry farmer um so like any other type of of livestock uh it's really important that you plan ahead um even for your garden you know a year in advance or maybe a few months in advance you're planning ahead what you're going to plant um maybe that's to meet your own need or to meet the needs of a, uh, a group of people that you might sell those products to. So planning ahead is number one. Number two uh, is always checking with your township <laughs> and your local municipality. And I know Lynn and I have had many conversations with those folks um, about that. And it's just really great to, uh, to make sure that you're checking with your local township in order to ensure that you can raise poultry legally. Okay, that's a really good point. Something I hadn't thought about that, um, you know, having a couple chickens in my backyard, I might be able to get away with. But if I were to expand, um, then there are some regulations that I need to be aware of. Yeah, that's, um, 
the primary thing that that happened there in 2021 post covid everybody got birds in 2020 2021 seemed to be um oh crap i got poultry now i don't know what to do <laughs> um now that my township is coming and, and saying hey we, you're not allowed to have birds in this area check with your township making sure that um, they either allow or disallow poultry specifically because um, you don't want to get caught with uh, a bunch of fines or um, having to de- having to deal with unhappy neighbors or other residents um, just makes for that whole poultry owning experience uh, it really kind of puts a sour taste in your mouth for it um, it's also super important that you have the right um, number of birds and the gender does matter <laughs> um, because roosters obviously can cause a, a noise issue uh, and numbers of birds if you exceed um, a specific number of birds per acre you can really find some smell issues noise issues fly issues and a whole host of other issues <laughs> uh, with the the sociology of your flock uh, when we don't monitor those numbers so what kind of equipment would you be looking for? I mean, obviously, you know, some kind of housing, but what are the other types of equipment one, one might need? Um, specifically a coop. Um, that's one of my big no-no items is that you don't free range your birds, um, or I consider them like feral flocks, the flocks that just run wild. Uh, it is really important to some kind of semi-contain or contain those birds whether that's in a coop itself or an outside run that's maybe like a fenced-in area that protects from predators, protects from disease outbreak, um, and the risk mitigation there for, uh, for disease outbreaks. And then um, feeders, waterers, nest boxes, depending on the types of poultry, all of those can be different sizes. Uh, but the real important thing if you're starting from chicks is that that space needs to grow with with your birds so you might start in a small space uh, for a few chickens that are you got from tractor supply and they're little as they grow that space really needs to increase with them um, i've seen way too many people try to keep seven chickens in a hundred gallon fish tank <laughs> and it just doesn't seem to work um, mostly because it's not enough space for those birds um, and the amount of manure that they're putting out and the amount of shavings that you're putting in doesn't always match up <laughs> and so you you can end up with some really awful smell issues as well as flies. So it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed very quickly. So I like I like your um, thought about pl- planning just like you would a garden or any other type of enterprise. You know, you want to go into it having some some thought about where you're starting, you're learning, and then when you've learned some things, you actually want to plan to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so do you actually need a manure management plan when you when you have poultry? Yes, um, according to you know the Pennsylvania Department of Ag, you really should have a manure management plan. And don't quote me on this because my information is probably outdated. But <laughs> um, depending on how many animal units you have, um, you probably should have a manure management plan. Um, it's I think it's always a good idea whether you have one bird or one million to ensure that you're, you know, you're protecting the resources there, you're protect, protecting wetlands, streams, and, and the land that you may be applying that manure to. And Emily, would you, would you educate me, is there actually some value to, um, to poultry manure? 
Yeah, um, it's it's a great garden amendment. We have a fact sheet about that on our website called Poultry Manure as a Garden Amendment. <laughs> it's a wonderful resource uh, for folks that maybe want to compost litter and then use it on their gardens. Um, it's also a way that you can maybe cash flow a little bit of uh, excess cash on the side uh, if you want to sell manure out of your poultry housing. Um, now, obviously, you have to have a, in a little more bulk than just what you would sell off of four chickens, but yeah, it does work great as a garden amendment, um, a land amendment, as long as it is not in such a high concentration that it'll kill your grass or your plants that you're applying it to. Sure, like anything, right? Not, yeah. yeah, anything in excess. Um, so if I'm buying chickens, what do I look for? Are meat birds different than, than birds that I might be looking for for eggs? Yeah, um, really your overall goals need to match what you're purchasing in the beginning. So if you want egg layers, I would suggest looking for an egg-laying breed. Uh, if you want meat birds, maybe go for that meat breed. Uh, really, either one is not going to do the opposite. <laughs> so there are a few dual-purpose breeds, but the most efficiency that you can get is to buy laying birds for a laying project and laying and meat birds for a meat project. Um, broilers are probably not going to reach an age in which they will lay eggs and produce meat efficiently. Um, and layers are probably never going to be a really efficient uh, meat birds. So whatever those overall goals in the beginning, um, those the bird selection that you, you pick should match. Um, the second thing there is um, checking for health. Most of our, our tractor supply feed store type birds are come with a health, uh, health check or a health guarantee because they've tested the parents. Um, just making sure that the chicks that you're picking up are, are clean, healthy, alert, um, they're, they're nice and warm, they're running around acting like little chickens. <laughs> um, you want to make sure that they have that, that bright and alert appearance. Uh, that's going to give you the most, probably the most healthy chicks uh, in the long run. Um, if you are buying from maybe a local breeder, um, I always recommend buying older birds. That way you know um, a little bit more about that bird's health. You can you can visualize that a lot of those chick diseases that might wipe out a flock at a young age, they're going to be well over that and have some immunity against those types of things. So just checking for the overall health is really important. Um, I know a couple of years ago with COVID and like lots of birds were sitting out on tarmacs uh, from mail order hatcheries, uh, folks were seeing some issues with birds like that, but uh, it seems that our mail system is really caught up to the live bird shipping. So um, we're not seeing so much of those birds that are arriving sick or arriving uh, weakened or with weakened immune systems. And um, if, do, can you bring in vets to help check or what's the, you know, how do you check the health of your flock if you have questions? Yeah, to get help, um, there's really not a lot of poultry vets in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's why we've made such an effort to educate folks about what disease looks like um, and to when to recognize disease and what the difference between a healthy chicken and a chicken that might be struggling. Um, the best way that you can, can do that is to become a, a certified poultry technician or make friends with one. Uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Ag has a list of certified poultry techs on their website, and those folks um, can help come out and test your flock. Um, that's after you already have your flock home and it's well-established. I think they can only test birds that are older than four weeks. So just keep that in mind. 
Uh, but they'll test for different diseases, anything that's of regulatory value, like high path avian influenza, which is huge right now, um, as well as some other diseases that, that might impact the sale of your meat and eggs, like salmonella, E. coli, things like that. Sure. So a poultry technician and the, the, the state has a list um, which is easily accessible to, to find some of those professionals. Then once you, you've sort of made that jump from your backyard flock or, or the, you, need, you need to look for the appropriate kinds of help. Yeah. And then um, we always have, you know, our poultry folks here at Penn State, our professional poultry staff that are, are willing to, to answer questions if something comes up. Uh, we just unfortunately can't see live birds as patients. So even our diagnostic lab staff um, cannot typically see live birds. But if you have a bird that dies mysteriously, you'd like to figure out what's going on, um, you're more than welcome to send that up to uh, the Penn State Animal Diagnostic Lab. And Dr. Megan Lighty and her staff up there will help you um, interpret some of the data that they collect when they do their diagnostic workup. Oh, that's really good to know that we have some of those resources. As a, as a farmer, I know one of the things that you helped establish was a, a phone hotline, am I correct, that um, people can dial into for information? Yeah, we started that during COVID with the Plainsect. Um, unfortunately, the poultry team has not continued that, but lots of other livestock, dairy, equine um, have continued to update folks on that. Right now, I think the message, message is just about high-path AI. Um, but yeah, we, we, were, we developed that to reach out to the Plains Act when we weren't having in-person programs and they weren't able to access any of our programs online. So that was a great way to fill the gap for education. And it sounds like it's still educating about, you know, the, the currently there's an avian flu and um, we've done a good job of getting information out, but we can always, you know, spread that information more, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, um, especially with, with avian flu, it's just um, the more people we can make aware and um, get them to mitig mitigate their own risk, uh, the better we can, we can be to try to just, you know, close the bottle on, the, on this chapter in, in Pennsylvania poultry history. <laughs> so um, so I, I always like to talk about the positive aspects, but let's just, just take a quick dive. Are there, what's the biggest mistake you see being made? Oh, there's a few. Um, <laughs> and to prevent people from making them, what, what yeah. if you had your wish list? If I had a wish list, uh, number one is checking with your township because that became a major hot point with me uh, in 2021. Like I said, uh, 2020 people got birds. 2021 they got fined for having birds. And then 2022, we had high path avian influenza. So um, I, for 2023, my hope is that uh, everybody will be so well educated that I won't get a single phone call. <laughs> but I'm always ha happy to help, but uh, would really like it if folks would check with their townships first before they go crazy buying hundreds of birds. Um, I think the second mistake is that they think if I free range my chickens, that means I don't have to feed them. And that's absolutely not true. Uh, while birds will survive on forage alone, uh, bugs and corn and all of that, that they might be able to pick up from their environment, they cannot perform at the level in which we're asking them to. So they're not going to lay an egg a day um, just eating grass and bugs. They may lay an egg a week. <laughs> and if you have 100 birds, that might work out for you. But really to optimize the performance for your birds, you need to feed them a, um, a diet that, that's meant to 
replace all the nutrients that they would get in the wild or, you know, the ones that might be missing. Um, so a formulated diet, most of the time that comes in a bag or you can get it in bulk from a local feed store, or feed mill. Um, those, you know, the, uh, there's many brands, no brand is, um, you know, Penn State never implies <laughs> any of that uh, brand loyalty, but there's lots of brands that you can choose from, um, lots of different types of feed, whether that's, you know, your interest is in organic or vegetarian fed, um, antibiotic free. Uh, most of our, our feeds today on the market are antibiotic free. Um, any type of feed that you can find that's in a bag is going to be a great formulation. Um, it's just really important to feed the right feed for the stage of life. So chick starter for chicks up to eight weeks old and then transition them into a layer feed or a broiler feed, depending on your overall goals again. Um, but we have lots of resources on feeding for stage of life um, in our Penn State stuff. And um, yeah, those are probably the two biggest mistakes is not checking with your township and getting fined for having poultry. And then um, folks seem to turn over very quickly. So um, this it's a hobby. It's the fastest growing hobby in the United States is keeping small flocks of poultry, which means less than 3,000 birds per year. Um, and a 3,000 bird flock is not small, <laughs> but that's what USDA calls a small flock. Uh, but there's a lot of turnover in this, and that's why I think it's the fastest growing, uh, because we see a huge surge, like we saw in 2020, of people getting into it. And then once we all went back to work, <laughs> you see the surge of people getting out of it, uh, realizing that they maybe don't have time or the resources available anymore. Um, so when we're, when we're not in it and we're not planning ahead, we're not in it to win it, <laughs> I'm really in it to optimize our production, I see a lot of folks just getting out of poultry really quickly or getting really disappointed in the performance that they're getting because they didn't plan ahead. They didn't go out and seek that knowledge on how to, to grow those poultry. I think about it like um, I desperately want a dog. <laughs> My husband's not a dog person, but I would love to have a dog. Um, and I was offered a red healer puppy the other week. And, um, I, I know that on a cattle farm in central Pennsylvania, a red healer puppy would be perfect for us because it would be able to herd our cattle. But I also know that my husband doesn't like dogs because he's afraid of dog bites and a healer is going to nip at his ankles. So that would be, you know, understanding the type of, of dog I want and, um, maybe a little bit more about how to raise them in their nature has talked me out of that red killer puppy <laughs> for as much as I would love that dog. I know that I can't provide the life that it needs. So in the same way, folks really need to think about, is it really feasible for them to grow poultry? I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I encourage everybody to have at least two chickens, but uh, making sure that they do the research before to understand if they can and if it's, if it's a reality for them. Sure. And I, I mean, it, there's a lot of beautiful birds out there um, and varieties to choose from. And I personally have had the pleasure of having, you know, a, an egg from, you know, a, a local chicken is, is about 10 times better than anything you can get at the grocery store. Uh, it's one of the few real true pleasures in life, I think, is a, is a good egg sandwich. <laughs> so yeah. I understand the appeal, but um, I really appreciate you um, pointing out how important it is to plan and that to understand um, those feeding needs and the land needs are, you know, that I think that could get you into a lot of trouble. So it's really important to understand that. Um, 
just understand that down the road. Lynn, do you have any um, thoughts here today? Yeah, I have a couple. I uh, was listening here to Emily as she was going through it. Uh, Emily mentioned that, that poultry manure um, can be used in a garden. Just keep in mind, poultry manure is very high in nitrogen. Yes. Uh, so a little bit goes a long way in a garden. Um, I would I would very strongly recommend it if you put it on a garden, work it in after, and don't just put it on top of plants. It'll burn the plants. Yeah. Um, the the second thing is if you're starting and you're you're buying um, egg laying chickens, and if you're starting from chicks, keep in mind it's 18 to 20 weeks before you're going to see an egg. So don't say, you know, in 10 weeks down the road, don't think that, oh, my, these aren't going to lay any eggs uh, because I haven't gotten any yet. It takes it takes quite a while for them to get to that point. They have to mature. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. Um, and the other thing is, um, one thing Emily didn't mention was, you know, chickens, egg-laying chickens lay in what they call a clutch. So they may lay... If they start out laying five eggs in a row, they will always lay five eggs in a row. Then they'll take a day or two off. Then they'll lay another five eggs in a row. So if you have 25 chickens and they're laying an egg on average of egg a day, you're talking two dozen of eggs a day. So if you are thinking 25 chickens is going to be enough for your family, I hope your family loves uh, egg sandwiches as much as uh, Annie does. Because you're going to be eating a lot of them. So, you know, kind of have an idea of what you're going to do with those surplus eggs. Um, when you, when, as Emily mentioned, make sure you're planning ahead. Yeah, we have a great fact sheet uh, about that called, What Do I Do With All of These Eggs? Um, that I worked with a few of our food families and health educators to create. Um, there's a little bit of the science of how an egg is formed and how many eggs are laid per day on a certain size flock. There's some really great recipes to use bulk eggs at the end um, that the food families and health folks gave me um, some Mediterranean recipes as well as some more uh, American style recipes, but uh, that fact sheet is, is awesome. <laughs> it sounds it. And so that leads me to kind of my last question. Where, where do I get help? Where at extension can I find help? Oh, so I've moved to the 4-H team, but we can definitely help you with poultry. Um, if you reach out to the poultry team, uh, if you find us on our website, there's there's quite a few of us that have different specialties, um, some in nutrition, some in welfare, um, but we can always, <laughs> we're, we're a great team to work together with because we like to, to share questions. I sent a few to a friend the other day on our team. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out to the poultry team if you have questions. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of vets available that are willing to see poultry for um, a reasonable price. <laughs> so uh, it's it's worth it to reach out to that free service that you're you're getting from Extension. I, I really do find um, your articles charming, and uh, there are some, uh, as you said, course on our website. So plenty of help um, already right here at Extension for you and people who do love to talk poultry and um, who do like to talk even about nutrition. I hadn't thought of that angle. You know, we have that, um, we have that resource as well, what to do with these eggs. So um, I can't thank you enough for being here, Emily. Yeah, well, thank you guys. And I guess one quick story before we end. Um, I saw on Facebook today, 
egg prices, USDA said egg prices are going to go up 21% uh, due to the cost of feed and everything else, you know, cost of diesel fuel, all the things it takes to produce eggs, uh, <laughs> whether that's feed or diesel fuel, I guess, to get them where they need to go. Um, and one of those people was a small flock person. He's a huge proponent of small flocks, just like I am. He says, yeah, get your own chickens. And I know that Lynn and I have had this conversation before too, but um, even if egg prices go up 21%, <laughs> are we really going to save any money by having our own poultry? And that's where all of that comes full circle. <laughs> plan ahead. Make sure you plan ahead. And um, Lynn has a wonderful fact sheet on our, our website as well that helps you plan ahead <laughs> uh, and budget and really think think financially through the amount of, of chickens that you can can support on your land. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. And everyone, um, we'll see you again. Yeah, thanks.